Scott Guider of the Voice of Horror Radio. My very special guest is a talented filmmaker, Jeremy Campbell. Jeremy, how are you? Hey, man, I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I've seen Velvet Vengeance, the short film, quite some time ago. And here we are today because you have some news for the listeners. Yes, absolutely. Actually, thanks to the support of guys like you, uh, we were able to grow the reputation for Velvet Vengeance and we are taking everything to a new level, and we are uh, making it into a feature film. And by feature film, I mean it's not going to be the old stuff recycled. It's a whole new uh, movie, pretty much. A lot of, only a few of the original cast members are coming back. A lot of them are going to be new actors, uh, higher production value, uh, bringing on a really impressive makeup effects team so we can do lots of cool old-school gore. And the plan is we want uh, to pretty much make, as you remember back in the day, the canon films, uh, you know, American Ninja, Kickboxer, that kind of thing. Sure. We want to, yeah, we want to mix, you know, Death Wish 3, uh, you know, mix that style of action with the late 80s uh, slasher scene because, like, you know, you coming from, you know, the 80s, you remember, the early 80s, you had the first wave of uh, slasher films, you know, the uh, Friday the 13th, Prom Night, you know, that kind of, you know, disco roller rink rink vibe. But once you got into the later 80s, you know, you started to get a little more of a revamped style with, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Rink one, and even Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which isn't that good of a movie, but it's still, you know, got a little bit, in other words, a little more of that hair metal feel to it, you know. Amen. Uh, yeah, uh, kind of like, you know, Shocker, uh, Deadly Friend, that kind of thing. So in other words, I want to make the ultimate straight-to-video late 1980s action horror film. Nice. But before we get into yeah. more detail in Velvet Vengeance, I want to talk to you about some earlier films that you have did. I want to start with um, Try to Survive, a short film you made in 2011. Do you have any interesting stories about this film and possibly where people can either locate it, like like reviewers to watch it or however? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a few interesting facts about Try to Survive. You can find it on YouTube. Just look up Try to Survive movie. Uh, Try to Survive, uh, I was the, like, we had a great makeup crew from Zombie Manor who... Uh, is a uh, local haunted house out here in the Dallas-Fort Worth scene. So if you're ever out here, you know, look them up, Zombie Manor. Uh, top-notch, amazing uh, haunted attraction. Uh, but other than that, I was the only crew member. So I did all the camera work and everything as usual. But uh, a couple of cool facts about that one and getting into that funny story you mentioned <laughs> is the, yeah, the, uh, one of the stars of the movie was uh, Michael Ledesma, who went on to be a horror movie director in his own right uh, with a movie called Tinsel. Um, and then one of the kids who played a zombie in that movie uh, named Spencer Smith is now our lead makeup artist for the Velvet Vengeance feature film. He was cool. doing an internship then. And so it's two years later, and now he's kind of moving up to the big chair. And we shot Try to Survive. Um, you got to watch it just for the location. It's, uh, and it's the same place where we shot a lot of Velvet Vengeance. It's a place called Chisholm Trail. Chisholm Trail is actually a legitimate abandoned summer camp, uh, which is now known as, like, the Disneyland for rednecks. And, uh, and you know, I'm from Texas, and we've got, yeah... And when I say rednecks, like people like, you know, Jeff Walkfried has got his redneck jokes and stuff, but like to us, rednecks is like one step above white trash. Like it's kind of like, oh shit, it's the rednecks. So, uh, so with that one, we, it wasn't too bad. We were able to, you know, we had a few people kind of walk by and kind of look at us. We did have, get this, we had a game warden come out there. We have, we're shooting without a permit. We've got big giant ass lights set up. Zombies running around everywhere, uh, and the game warden's only concern is we were not fishing without a license. That was <laughs> the only law enforcement we had come out there. So, but then one year later, we come back out there to shoot Zelda's Engine, the short film, and uh, we became local legends. Uh, but it was at that point, it was just you know Chisholm Trail was I don't know what the deal was if it was the time of year or something, 
but man, I mean, it was like, you start off early in the morning, nobody's really there, as the day's getting later and later, you're hearing freaking four-wheelers, you got guys hooting and yelling in the background, and then you'd start coming out of the woods, and it was like, you'd see like, you know, 1983 cut-off, you know, shorts <laughs> on men, with like, the Budweiser tank top, toes koozie, and they'd come stumbling over to you, right, and they're like, hey man, you making a movie, huh? <laughs> and so it got to the point, though, where, and it was almost kind of like when you're kind of like the natives are getting closer, we need to wrap this up. Uh, it got to the point, one day we come back from a late lunch, we're going to film the night stuff. So when people comment on the night stuff, it's really dark. It's freaking daytime. I actually shot day for night because it was getting so weird out there. I told the actors, we're not staying out here late. This is getting kind of weird. We've got a freaking meth pipe. So it was like, we're playing in somebody else's sandbox. Let's pack this up and call it a day. We're walking back up to shoot the night stuff, getting ready to set up the lights. And this is when I changed my mind. We're going day for night. This woman comes stumbling over, missing teeth, wearing a bikini top with her boob down to her belly button. Uh, belly button tears. And it kind of looked like somebody stuck, like, a BB in the middle of a pancake. It was like, oh, Ugh. Jesus. Yeah, so she comes stumbling over, got her big, giant, tall boy of bush beer, uh, which is, like, the Texas, the you know, the official cheap beer of Texas. And uh, she's got a snake wrapped around her. And she's telling us, hey, so you're making a scary movie. You know, some people think snakes are scary. You should put my snake in your movie. I mean, I kid you not. And so, oh, God. we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to explain to her why we can't put her, there's, the movie doesn't really call for snakes. She said, well, if you want me to get a bigger snake, I can go get my bigger snake. And I mean, it's like, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why with the uh, feature film, uh, we have the photos on, uh, Facebook. If you go, uh, the Vengeance Facebook, uh, of the new shooting location. The new shooting location is a, uh, a, a farm. It's a 160-acre private farm, but nobody's used it in years, and the family didn't even know they had it. Uh, a relative died, and they got the notice in the will that they had inherited this farm. So if that's, you know, you can write a horror movie around that right there. Oh, easy. You know, what's actually on the farm, yeah. Uh, so, but this farm, it's got a, a really cool Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe to it. I love it. With the flat... Yeah, with the flatlands and the mesquite trees and the dirt roads and stuff. And quiet. So, yes, and it's a uh, it's a really great location and a big giant old barn barn that we're going to build out on the inside so you actually get to see Dolly's layer. So it's going to yeah a lot of good stuff in this movie. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Hmm. And there ain't going to be no rednecks walking around. There's not supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> it is a private farm. <laughs> But with Texas, you never know. And, hey, who knows? Some of them might just be my family coming to visit. You never know. Damn it to hell. So, yeah, I know. But that one, with that, man, I swear, it was, you know, you just keep having stacks of deliverance. Oh, Jesus. You know, like traveling. you find freaking dead animals everywhere. That was another thing, too. And you assume because, you know, you're way off out in the woods. And I swear, when you see Try to Survive and you see this location, it's, you know, it's insane. I'd be more worried. I'd be more worried about cannibals. Like wrong turn. Who are you talking about? Yeah, right. Yeah, but I don't see. I don't know. Eating, you know, do what you got to do, but don't go. You know, don't do the deliverance. You know, <laughs> like if you eat me and then I didn't survive to talk about it, the deliverance—that's something I got to live with for the rest of my life. You know, that would have been so. funny as shit if you could have filmed some of that people. I know, right? Oh, where was my B-roll footage then? Damn it, the I'm hell! Like, Don't yeah, and you know, I know all my actors—they're all teenagers and stuff, so they're naive to the situation and they think it's hilarious. And this is great, look! And I'm like, guys, no, 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 no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, don't pay it. Just don't look them directly in the eye. And actually, one of them, I felt so bad for my wife. Uh, she went back to the car to get something and our generator had broken down and she was trying to get it started back up and one of them came over and he was nice enough to help her start it but he was this guy who as we were filming and she I didn't know this was going on and she came over and told me about it and I just like made my heart sink to my stomach I'm like sweetie from now on you know just stay with me but he was polite enough but it was just scary that he, she interacted with him at all because like 
he told her right before he leaves, he's like, a lot of weird people out here. Don't worry, I'm not one of them. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my, <laughs> like, oh my God. Wow. So, like, as, yeah, as we're filming Velvet Vengeance, when we first got started for the day, we're unpacking the car and every, all the cars, you know, the vans and everything, and we're getting everything, you know, lined up and getting ready to go off down this trail off into the woods. And I'm like, this guy's just, he's literally about five feet away from us, not saying a word, and he's got his uh, uh, pit bull, like, on a chain, and it's not even a real leash. It's just like a chain around the dog's neck, and he's, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning, this dude's already got a beer in his hand, and he's just looking at us. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's, oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Good times, right? (laughs) That sucks. That'd be some great funny footage. That would be. Holy hell. Yeah. You know. Funny uh, but scary. Yeah. With Texas, you never know, and that's why I'm really happy to be filming on private land this time around. Yeah. Because, I mean, we had another moment where another movie, where a guy just comes over and tells us we're trespassing. He's like, you're trespassing. This is private property. I'm like, who's private property? And he's like, it's private property. And like, I'm like, with Texas, everybody thinks they own land. And it's always, get off my land. You know, and as you know, in Texas, everybody's got a gun. But this dude is just insisting that we are on private property. And I'm like, no, sir, I'm, I'm telling you, this is this is public property. I'm completely sure of it. And he's, no, it's, and I'm like, is it your property? And he's like, well, no, it's not. And I'm like, well, then you're trespassing, too. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Get off my damn property, you dumb son of a bitch. Yeah. I know. You will have people freaking in an apartment tell you to get off their property. I'm like, it's an apartment. But, oh, well, no more. So got to stop with the making fun of the Texans. Look at this. I talked to a dude from the north. Next thing I know, I'm throwing all my brothers and sisters under the bus. <laughs> no, it's, that's, it's up here, too. Trust me. We have not Texans, but we have hillbilly mountain people. And trust me, it's scary. I mean, I'm... Yeah, actually... Now that I think of it, yeah, because you're, you're in Pittsburgh, right? No, I'm, in, I'm actually in Lancaster County. I'm like 60 miles from Philly. But um, oh, we're, we're okay. in the country. We're in the country. So um, people think that where I live, it's all Amish, and that's it. No. There's mountain people, and uh, we went up there one time, and I swear to God, this would be a great place to shoot a film because these people have these shacks, <laughs> have holes in the floors. It's creepy oh, as shit. It's creepy. <laughs> I can't really say a lot because, like, I criticize these people, but I have got more than my fair share of rednecks and hillbillies in my family. Uh, so it's like, you know, I, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if you own a pit bull, you're not scared of your pit bull, but, man, your neighbor's pit bull, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. it's like I'm used to my redneck and hillbilly family for the most part. I don't, you know, the older I get, the less I see them. So now, like, when I do see them, I'm like, oh, my God, man, I'm starting to put it together. You guys are really crazy. All right. You got new shoes now. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah, all right. I don't see so, your damn bare feet. Oh, whatever. Yeah, all right. Well, it's not that bad. It's a, it's, it's whole, <laughs> no, I'm just... It's a fighting thing, yeah. I'm just you know, playing. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, now you got me on the defensive about my family. No, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the Amish don't wear shoes. There's nothing wrong with that. What the hell? We actually got some Amish down in Texas, I think. Oh, yeah? Maybe somewhere. Yeah, but I think I, I'm more scared of your guys Amish, because I mean, I've seen Deadly Blessings, so. Yeah, well, I hope you're not watching that stupid show on TV, on that Discovery Channel, that Amish Mafia. I've seen the previews, and that's enough for me. That's filmed so. right in my neighborhood, and it's a bunch of sh- it's a bunch of joke. It's a joke. They're a bunch of two idiot peons, morons, that live across from my mom and dad, and when my when my dad was still alive, and the dumbass stole my dad's license plate, they're idiots. They're they're that that show is so fake, it's ridiculous. But anyways, oh wow! Oh yeah, it's a big joke. They're all out of state right now. That they all skip Pennsylvania. They're, they're in Florida and everywhere else. It's like after the show was done filming, they all skip town before they get their asses beat. But anyways, that's a fun story I can tell you sometimes. So Pens- I mean, up in my area, it, it isn't no peaches and cream either. So I mean, that's everywhere. But, um, yeah, you've got that hardcore Amish mafia you got to look out for. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amish mafia is going to put a hit out on you now. Ooh, I am scared. But um, uh, the only violence that we had around here for real was that, remember that Amish school shooting a couple of years ago 
that guy came into that school and killed them um, six Amish girls. It was all over the news. I didn't hear about that. Wow. Yeah, that was right well, down actually, the road. Actually, uh, uh, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, this is a, kind of a weird one. Uh, an area where I grew up, where I lived, a few years ago, there was a murder out there where a girl was murdered, and like they caught the killers a few days later. But they killed her, and it was just two of her friends, and they asked her, why did you do it? And they said, we just wanted to know what it was like to kill somebody. Oh, my God. And Yeah, and they did it. They killed her and hit her body right literally where I used to play when I was 10 years old at a place called Crystal Canyon. So it was, yeah, I know, right? It's just like, that's, man. That's hmm. actually, it's funny. To tie that back into Velvet Vengeance, actually the truth of now is with Velvet Vengeance, because as you already know with the short and then the feature we're going to go into it more, it's, you know, got a lot uh, more, it's got just as much action sensibilities to it uh, as it does horror. And uh, a big reason for that was with, uh, you know, with Velvet Vengeance, it's like you hear stories like that, and it's kind of as much as I love horror and especially for the nostalgia vibe and everything and you know I'm wearing my Welcome to Camp Crystal Lake t-shirt right now and stuff <laughs> and you hear those group life stories you just kind of wonder like you know man wouldn't it yeah. be great if there was like any sense of real justice out there you know yeah I know it. like yeah so the cool thing about like with movies and being a director is you get to create your own little universe uh, in your own world so it's kind of like you know hey you know what if like you know the girl next door wound up being a total badass who could go out and hunt killers you know right and so and yeah and you know the story of Velvet Vengeance is this girl her brother is murdered mm-hmm. and she goes to hunt down the killer and uh, in the feature film we put more, a lot more into the brother story as we do with the killer story and you find out some uh, really interesting facts about the killer uh and her relatives, a few people you did not know that were related to her, the killer is brought up. Uh, but that's like the whole idea is like you get to kind of play both sides. You get that nostalgia 1980s horror vibe with uh, the wood setting and everything, mm-hmm. uh, and the killer. But at the same time, as much as I loved all those movies and I grew up with those, I also grew up, like I said, with the action genre. And then, I, you know, I was a kid making my trips to the video store at the peak of the Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, Team Seagal era. Yep. So, it, you know, it's kind of like, man, if you could make your dream movie, it would be, you know, like go back when you're 10 years old, it would be, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme versus Jason, except for Jean-Claude Van Damme's a really pretty girl. Right. So it's like, how much fun is that, you know? Right, right. Uh, yeah, you know, as you know, I've seen Velvet Vengeance, the short film, and I, I love the feel of it. I like the characters. I like the story, and uh, I'm kind of anxious to see what you can do with a full feature, but twisting it up a little bit as far as the era. And like you mentioned about the storylines, more storylines, obviously. But that's I can't wait. I mean, I'm kind of anxious to see what you can do with that. Yeah, it's going to be really freaking awesome. And the coolest thing about this is. Uh, with the short film, uh, once again, I did everything on that movie, not because of an ego trip, but because, you know, it's just really hard sometimes to get anybody to really be on board, uh, especially when you come from, you know, a film scene that's not the world's most supportive. Uh, with this one, though, I was really, I had some terrific people come forward and, like, you know, express interest in working on this one, and we pulled together a great team of not just a makeup artist, but... Uh, even everything to the costume design. When we're coming, uh, I have a great wardrobe designer, and we're coming up with a look that's like, you know, like I said, we want it to feel retro. We want it to, you know, it's modern times, but it needs to feel like the 80s, and it needs to feel like a certain era of 80s, so you can kind of justify uh, certain types of music and things being in the movie. Right. So the whole thing is kind of really planned to a T, and like, uh, and that's just, like I would say, like with, um, movies and when you're making a movie the cool thing is is you're creating your own universe so it's you know somebody could say like when we i was uh talking about when we we're kind of i'm planning things out and i there's a party scene and i was talking about to uh, the composer and i was telling them and this is a feature film uh that i want something like tad uh grease box tad being like uh the first wave of grunge music from the early 90s and uh, they're kind of like Pat was right in line with uh, Mud Honey and White Zombie, that kind of like groovy, thick, heavy sound, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And uh, he's laughing. And he's like, teenagers don't listen to Tad. And I'm like, in my world, they do. You know? <laughs> and so. Right. Uh, and then, like, we try to survive. Uh, we did the same thing. And the funny thing about that one is when it played at the San Antonio Horrific Film Fest, uh, was it two years ago now or something like that, 2011, uh, somebody, when they're, we're doing a little Q&A, somebody asked, when was this supposed to take place? And I, cause it looks like the 70s, but they're dressed like the 80s, but the music sounds like the 90s, and they're driving modern cars. So, I was like, well that's the cool thing, it, it doesn't take place in an era, it takes place in my own little world that I've created. Right, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, like I said, you know, I'm, um, now I'll answer one question, I didn't get a chance to ask you this yet. What, what I mean, I, obviously I've seen the Velvet Vengeance, the short, what was the outcome of other reviewers who have seen it, and plus non-reviewers who have seen it, besides what you mentioned? Uh, really good, uh, excellent across the board, actually. And like your quote, actually I'll use your quote against you, was you now have Jason, you have Jason, Michael Myers, and now Dolly. We put that one at the top of the poster. Uh, Matthew Smith, uh, he's the... Uh, 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 reviewer from uh, Cleveland Times, or yeah, a, a writer for Cleveland Times Review. In Cleveland Times Review, Cleveland is a town that I moved to when I was 12 years old and uh, lived there until I was 22, and I was actually kicked out of their school. And I was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like, oh, you know, Jeremy, he's that weird horror movie kid. Uh, they did two cover stories on me in the movie. So, and they're doing a third one. They're coming out on the set, and they're going to do a third story. So I've greatly appreciate that. Matthew became a big fan, of the, for lack of a better term, of Velvet Vengeance and has been extremely supportive. But the funny thing about that too is that Andy Martin, the star of Velvet Vengeance, is from Cleburne. So it's kind of like the funny thing is as much as I, and we're even filming in Cleburne, so it's like yeah, as wow. much as, you know, Cleburne was a pain in my ass, I always keep coming back. <laughs> uh, <we'll figure. laughs> but uh, then, uh, so all of them were great across the board, and then there was one guy, I don't remember his name, uh, so I apologize to anybody, but man, he slammed us. He gave me, he, he actually put me on his worst movie of the year list. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was a dude from Switzerland, or Norway, somewhere like that, and his two biggest complaints was, there was no TNA, and there, was, uh, and there wasn't enough gore. Yeah. That's funny you a lot of films that I reviewed, this is so funny, every film that I review, he's always the complete opposite. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, I was kind of like, and that's the cool thing, though, about it. Like, you kind of take everything with a grain of salt, and it's like <laughs> reviews and rewards and stuff like that are kind of used to take you to the next level so that people will be willing to work with you. But at the end of the day, and this is the God's honest truth, everybody always says this, but I really mean it, it just comes down to the only two experiences that are going to last is the movie you made and the time you had have making it. So, you know, just make sure you had a good time making it and make sure you made a movie that you liked. And so it's like, with the tip and ass thing, what am I supposed to do? Hey, you know, Rebecca, you're working for free. Uh, you know, will you do me a big favor? This guy in Sweden, he'll give us a good review if you flash us some titties. You know, it's like, I know we're going to have a red carpet premiere and your grandparents are going to be there, but come on. Just yeah. Well, so, what you don't... Guy. What he don't realize is, by him stating that all the time, doesn't that make him a little bit of a fake? He's a total fake. He's kind of, uh, and I'm not saying that because he gave me a bad review. If he gave me a bad review and it was like a respectful bad review. It's like, whatever, you know, who cares? But the point of the matter is, I mean. Yeah, just to say I didn't like the movie because he didn't show me no boobs. I did him a favor, though. I went ahead and sent him a uh, Playboy. I was like, here you go, man. Here's plenty of tits and ass. Knock stuff out. First <laughs> uh, story, all tits and ass. I've, I've seen yeah. that. I occasionally... And here we go. Yeah. With that said, I want to ask you a question. Uh, so you're a Friday the 13th fan, right? Yes. Okay, which one's your favorite one of the series? Oh, definitely um, Part 7. Part 7? There you go. There's like one boob shot in that whole movie. I Two. love her Two. character in that movie. I love it when it's her against Jason. I absolutely love that. Yeah, oh, no, wait. Yeah. No, wait. Or, or is that 8? No, Jason, Jason takes Manhattan... No, yeah, seven. Yeah, Lark, Lars. Yeah. Oh, I love her Lars in there. That was a. That's yeah. my favorite. And I'll tell you why it's my favorite. I love the early '80s, but at that time, I was born in '68. So in 1988, I was 19, going on 20. I lived. 
that era with the all of us getting together having parties in the woods. I lived that era. So when it it's more personal to me because it's right in my age group. Yeah. You know what I mean? You hit the nail on the head with uh, two factors. Uh, one is it's an ass thing. That one is almost completely void of it. You have two shots. Yep. Uh, I only know that because I'm like a huge, huge, huge Friday the 13th fan. You have a, and neither one of them were totally necessary, but they were given the audience what they thought they wanted, but, uh, but then again, like I said, it's void of it. Now it's become a cliche where you have a lot of, you know, that you review a lot of movies. You have really sloppy, bad filmmaking. It's just a lot of what they think people want to see, which is prosthetics and gore. Right. And what you said was exactly right on the head. Was it was a part of that era, and that's you know, and you just also with the late '80s thing, and that's what I'm talking about with Velvet's Engine, mm-hmm. with the feature film. If you notice, like Part Seven has a little bit more of an action film pacing to it. Yes. Everything was getting a little faster. So that's you know what I was talking about right there. But like my personal favorite one is Six. Uh, which was directed by uh, John McLaughlin. Jason Lives. Uh, Tom McLaughlin, I mean, Tom McLaughlin, Jason Lives. Yeah, I like absolutely that one, too. Absolutely no tits and ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely no tits and ass. Amazing humor. Some of the best Friday 13th writing where, like, the guy says, you know, uh, what do they think I am, some kind of fart head? And then it cuts to the kid screaming, yeah! You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, like, Jason throws the spear and hits the guy right in the head, and then it cuts to the target, and it's a bullseye. Yeah. Uh so, you know, but anyways, you know, we've given that guy enough credit. But, uh, you know, like I said, no tits and ass. And the kills are not gory, they're creative. So yeah, it's yeah. like if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to have a high body count, which Velvet Vengeance, just right off the bat, doesn't, the feature, has a high, the feature film has a higher one. Mm-hmm. And there's even an entire scene that's just a big, giant wink to horror fans where, uh, in talking about horror bloggers, uh, two characters who are college are college graduates from film school who genuinely hate the horror genre, but they, as a joke, they started a, uh, a short little documentary about uh, locations that are based on or yeah, locations where uh, supposed legends happened, and it got went viral. So now these people are kind of stuck in this world, pretending that they enjoy horror, and they're filming their little blog out where Dolly lives and they're just going on and on and on and like, oh, it's such bullshit. You know, who'd ever believe that a freaking doll lives out in the woods and all this? And it was like, I didn't actually expect to get ours back from you, not because you don't have a reputation for getting back with people, but because it was like, kind of felt like we were, you know, I really respected you and I'd already listened to your show and knew who you were and stuff. So uh, it was kind of like, well, you know, hopefully we get, this guy gets back from us. But it was funny, though, because it was like the new dudes who don't really have any following or anything, they were the ones who just never got back with us, period. Right. You know? So even like, and in those cases, even a bad review is better than no review because, like, you asked me if you could review my movie, you know? So, and you get that with uh, actors, too. Well, give me your script, you know? I really want to read it. And then, like, they don't Yeah, you never get it back. You never hear anything. Yeah. yeah. So, like, uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, I'd rather have a bad review than just be ignored. A very impressive work. I like the, uh, you know, you have the, uh, like you mentioned earlier, you have the Jasons, you have the Freddies, and now you have Dolly, you know. But I thought that was pretty clever because not many films, I mean, there is another short film from Texas, which I'm not going to mention the film or the filmmaker because he's pissed off at me because, you know, I, People in Texas should not be bashing the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in the theaters because it doesn't look right for one. You're from Texas, and your films were not in the theater. So, I mean, do you not understand what I'm saying about that? You really shouldn't okay, be... Okay, look, you just opened up a can of worms. Uh, don't worry, this is all still on the record. Uh, here's the thing with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and people always hating on this one or that one. Plain and simple, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has never been an actual franchise. Every single time they're trying to launch a franchise, but it has never been successful. So you can't be like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D sucks. It's stupid. It's like, it, here's the thing. It doesn't continue the story or anything. It's like, none of them did. Texas, right. Other than Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. And even that came like 15 years later. It was made by Canon, uh, who had absolutely nothing to do with the original. And it was, you know, and that was the only one that involved Toby Hooper. Other than that one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 is not even actually called Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 later released as that, but it was called Leatherface. Exactly. Because we want 
uh, New Line Cinema only had the rights to Leatherface. So they were trying to relaunch the franchise that time, but they figured they were going to try to make uh, Leatherface, you know, the next horror icon, which in a lot of ways he is, but in other ways he's not because, you know, he's a shut-in if he's a recluse. He's In the first one, he just wants everybody to get out of his goddamn house. Right. Uh, yeah. So they were trying to, you know, make him more of a badass and launch him with that one, but obviously it didn't work because years later... Here comes the one I guarantee you that dude who's bashing part, you know, this 3D one didn't even see this one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The New Beginning, with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Mm-hmm. Again, trying to relaunch the franchise. That one literally didn't even get released. It got shelved, and then when Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger broke really big at the same time, this little tiny company that made this little low-budget indie film was suddenly like, hey, we got a movie with those two. It's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. So... When it finally did get released, it wasn't because of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was the movie because of those two. And then even when they made this last go-around with the Platinum Dune guys in 2003... I love that one. Beat. I love it. Yeah, but they, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning, the one that came after that, was already that a relaunch. Yep. Yeah, it was already a relaunch of the one they had just made. Yep. So... You know, and it's the same thing, like, you know, I hate on Rob Zombie for making Halloween, and I don't like that movie, but at the same time, you know what, it's a head and shoulders above Halloween Resurrection, and people can hate on Michael Bay for making the Friday the 13th remake, but I'm like, dude, did you really like Jason X, you know? I liked, uh, so, I liked the new one of Friday the 13th, I like that one too, but you're right, I never seen a one where Jason, I never seen Jason X, and I don't plan to. Because it makes no sense. What the hell is he doing in space? It's stupid. Yeah, well, like with New Line Cinema and Jason, uh, and I can't play New Line Cinema because uh, uh, it's, you know, and I like the guy a lot, Sean Cunningham, creator of Friday the 13th, but like when Sean Cunningham, quote-unquote, created Friday the 13th, he created the title. That's all he had was the title. And then his writer, Steve Miner, uh, not Steve Miner, that's the director. But anyways, I'll remember his name later. Yeah. Uh, the writer came up with, like, Mrs. Voorhees and everything, and even that script wasn't the one that got made. People don't know this, but it's in uh, Crystal Lake Memoirs. Uh, the actors insisted that the movie be rewritten by a professional writer. They did not consider that particular writer, whose name escapes me now, a writer. So he came with the version you see on screen, and you can look up the original screenplay. is not the movie that got shot. Uh, that script, the original script, wasn't the one that got shot. So Sean Cunningham eventually bought the rights to Friday the 13th back from Paramount. So he more or less just bought the character Jason and a few small little things, the concept. Right, right. Uh, and look what he did. And his big plan when he bought it, and he brought it to New Line Cinema, was to make Jason vs. Freddy. But, and that's why they had the whole cliffhanger at the end of Jason Goes to Hell. And for the record, I love Jason Goes to Hell hate a lot of things about it, but I like the idea that they tried to put Jason in the real world. And, you know, when like the FBI was running a manhunt looking for Jason, I like all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, once you start getting into, like, after a while, though, you're kind of like, well, can I have Jason now? How about Jason? Can Jason show up in this movie? Sure, it would be nice if Jason was in my Friday the 13th movie. You know? <laughs> uh, but, uh, so... That, but that was Sean Cunningham's thing, and the dude who directed that movie was Sean Cunningham's son's best friend. And then Jason X, again, was Sean Cunningham, because Sean Cunningham is not a Friday the 13th fan, just like Wes Craven is not a Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Right. You know what I mean? They're right. not fans of these franchises. So for all these bitches and complaints that the studios are just milking it, they're just, if you don't want to see it, don't go see it. You know you're not going to like it. You know you're going to bitch about it. And there are freaking so many great independent horror films out there now that you should be supporting if you don't want to see that. Go see Hatchet. Go see Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Right. Go see Tucker and First Evil. Uh, or the one you just reviewed, Screen Park. There are some great... Go, go watch Zelda's Engine. Bitch about that one, please. Uh, but <laughs> in other words, uh, I'll take your bitches and complaints. You know, hell, I'll throw some money on the counter and I'll listen to you bitch all day. Right. Uh, but in other words, you know you're not going to like it. You know you're going to bitch about it. So don't go see it. And if you are going to bitch and complain, if you insist on seeing it and you insist on bitching and complaining about it, just remember, none of these movies were ever made, or you know, out of pure love. All of them, including the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the first Friday 13th, 
were made by independent filmmakers who were just trying to get their foot in the door. So right. they are pretty, yeah, they are rooted in exploitation. And so what you are seeing is a modern exploitation film. They are exploiting 3D, and, you know, and it's working. You and, are. and you're bashing a film within the theaters, and you have no work to show these people unless they contact you. It's going to make you guys look like idiots. That's I my, totally agree. That's I my agree. whole point. You know, that's that's what I'm trying yeah. to get out. Be careful what you say. It's different if Tobe Hooper is banging on the new Texas Chainsaw Mask because he's had films in theaters or however. He's a known name. People know. But if you're an independent um, filmmaker in Texas, in Texas, that's, that's the key word. You know, and then you're bashing on this remake or however... You make yourself look really bad to people who have no idea who the hell you are, and they're only tuning in because of this person has a show. It was a legitimate, honest question, and it went nutsoid. So. Yeah. Yeah, and with that one, like the argument, uh, if you gave me that kind of money, I could make that kind of move. I could make a better movie. <clears throat> I really, you know, have a hard time with people saying that because. I kind of feel like if you are, and this goes for myself too, and I'm not saying that I've necessarily lived up to the standard, but I've tried to, if you are a legitimate filmmaker uh, and you are a storyteller and you know how to put together the pieces to tell a good story and keep somebody interested, and then you should be able to do that with a home camcorder. Uh, But if you have not made anything that shoves that and your excuse is always, well, we needed more money, we needed more money, you are not, you know, you're not a storyteller. You're not, because you're saying, you know, if you're a real craftsman, you know, you can fucking whittle a canoe, you know, that's the kind of dude that, you you know, you know, proven their craftsmanship and proven they know what they're doing. A guy who says, well, if I had more money, if I had, what were you going to do with more money? Money, You're going to buy a DP that's going to make your movie for you? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're gonna buy an editor who can actually pace a movie. Uh, if you that's like if you see the uh, like the old short films like Steven Spielberg did as a kid, you could everybody said that's a filmmaker. There's a filmmaker there. That guy knows composition. He knows pacing. He knows style. Uh, so like if you're somebody, so you know all this argument about I had more money, but you don't know that man, and you don't know the, the money factor goes out the window when you realize how fast that money goes. You're talking, your crew's making X amount of money per hour, and the time that it takes you to figure out how you want to frame a shot, you just spent twenty thousand dollars, right? You know because you couldn't make up your mind. So money is neither all money does is buy you a bigger toolbox. Uh, but if you can't even, like, you know, if you're a boxer and you can't throw a basic jab, you know, left hook, and then, you know, you don't have, all the best trainers on earth aren't going to turn you into Mike Tyson. You know, you have to have that natural ability built in. Right. Well, one thing I will tell you, and I'll tell you the three filmmakers that... <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, uh, Whatever. You know, that's excellent. Yeah, and the cool thing, though, is with, like, stuff like that, is and what I'm really appreciative about that is when people always ask, you know, why don't more people, why aren't more people able to break into the industry? Uh, you kind of, it doesn't take long for you to start seeing the different trappings, you know, and one of them is the, you know, well, I just need more money, nobody's giving me the breaks, and, you know, this movie's really stupid, and that, that critical thing, man, you can't, you know, yep. no matter what the is, no matter what the director is, no matter how much studio backing they had or didn't have, a movie is a pain in the ass to make. It's never easy. No. Uh, so, you know, regardless how I feel about people or how I feel about their movie, I always respect anybody who has enough nerve to get a movie made. With exactly. That said, I, yeah, with that said, I have a little more respect for the dudes who really, you know, know their craft. Because, mm-hmm. like, they're but either way, even if you're just going to be a traffic director and you're just going to hang out on set and call yourself a director, you know, your deep stuff, uh, it's still nerve-wracking and it's still scary. That first thing you get on set, you're looking at a big, giant, black canvas and a bunch of faces staring at you asking, where do we stand? What do we do? How do you want me to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, where do we put the camera? Okay, okay, I want to put the camera over there. Okay, well, if you put it right there, what's your f-stop rate so we can get the proper exposure? Okay, if we put it right there, and then where do we put it next, so that we'll edit it into the next thing. So it's just like, ah, 
But anybody who can endure all of that, my hat goes off to them. Yep. It's, you know, it's, it's a tough ride, but it's well worth it. And the great thing about it is you always get better, you know, if you try. If you're, if you're really, if your heart's really into it and that's your goal and that's your agenda, uh, you know, you can get better and you can improve. And that's, that's the fun part of it is getting to rise up those ranks and, kind of look back and see, you know, and say, you know, hey, man, you know, we're not there yet, but here's the progress we've made. Right. Uh, well, that's that's hey. like, there's a young filmmaker by the name of Adam Dunning out in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and he did a film called... Yeah. Yeah, he did a film... Uh, called, laughter. Laughter, exactly. Laughter. Yeah. He did a film called Laughter, and he had an, a film he did before that called The Infected. It was a zombie film, but everything went wrong oh. for him. He had to do everything himself. I reviewed it. And in my review, well, in my review, you know, I understood there's mistakes. But he started it, he finished it. That's a a, a prize in itself. And on private yeah. messages back and forth, I said, look, Adam, if they want to bash your film, let them do it. Who gives a shit? Let them try and do it. Let them try and do it. And my, my, you know, and hats off to him. Uh, this is really funny. Uh, the infected, he finished that shortly before I finished Try to Survive. And so that's how we got in contact with each other were, was we were both, you know, independent guys out there doing our thing and we were both doing zombie films. Uh, when he was doing Laughter, I was doing Velvet Vengeance and we, uh, both, uh, screened at the uh, San Antonio Horrific Film Fest. So for any criticism anybody wants to give him for The Infected, he beat me for uh, Best Director at the San Antonio Horrific Film Fest. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying to beat me is like the, the paramount, you know, of all goals. But, you know, but you know what? Criticize that movie all you want. The dude's an award-winning director. And he beat a lot. He beat uh, Patrick Raya, who did Nailbiter, uh, mm-hmm. for Best Director. So, I mean, he beat some top-notch competition, and, you know, criticize the guy all you want, but he's got a cool little golden chainsaw on his shelf. Well, that's cool. You know? See, now, now here's yeah. where it hits home. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I am a producer, one of the producers for Laughter. Yeah, you're awesome. And I'm also in the film, if you haven't seen right. Laughter. There's a scene in the movie where I play myself, Gruesome Herzog, the voice of horror as a DJ on the radio. Um, so, you know, my whole point bringing Adam up is Adam said, I said to Adam in a private message, I said, Adam, look, you know, you're young and, and I understand, but look, if people are bashing your first film, look, let them make one. If they can make one, it ain't that easy. You accomplish something and you can only get better. So then he started doing the laughter. And I was supposed to be in the movie, but my work schedule didn't allow it. So we went the uh, the voiceover as a DJ in the radio. Well, October 28th, my wife and I went to the premiere, my first premiere up there in Scranton, up in, in, a, in a movie theater. It, he filled two rooms, and I was nervous because I didn't know how how the they, the reaction would be with people watching the film when my scene came up. And, Jeremy, I'm telling you something. My wife was so amazed. Is when my scene came up, the theater just busted out laughing. I said, "Thank you, <laughs> thank you." <laughs> but you know, yeah, that's awesome. Amy, it's an experience of a lifetime, and and me and Adam are are really close. I mean, we talked the other day. He has laughter two. Script is written. It's done. Nice. He's casting. And- and you know, and I can't say no any more now because there's some surprises which I'm not allowed to say. But I will be in the second one. That's awesome. Very cool. I didn't get to meet Adam at the film fest though, but I know one of the actors was there representing him. But yeah. the funny thing about that is, is because uh, it was a great weekend, the the San Antonio thing, uh, the horrific film fest, because the original cast of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was there. Cool. Uh, Dolly. Emma Torres Rex, the person who played Dolly in the uh, in the short film, who unfortunately won't be in the feature, we have. But fortunately, too, she won't be in the feature because now the person wearing the mask is a uh, uh, really badass uh, model slash fitness guru slash burlesque dancer, <laughs> and uh, Danny Blitzgavit. Uh, she's a great girl, uh, and 
she what she brings to the role is physicality. She's real powerful and real strong. So she's kind of like the you know Kane Harder of dollies. Nice. Uh, but Evan Source Rex, uh, who played originally played Dolly, and if you ever look at her photo, she's a gorgeous young model, and that was the whole in joke that you know we were going to take this gorgeous young model and make her a hideous you know doll face killer. Um, she got to see uh, the laughter. We were swapping out. I had to miss it because like while she gets to watch a movie, I had to watch our merch booth, our merch table. Right. Uh, and she comes out, and all I heard for the rest of the weekend was, "Man, that." That laughter. I wish we'd made a movie like that. That one was nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that that was funny you mentioned that because um, Dave Campfield, who made the um, Caesar and Otto Deadly Christmas, yeah, that also played uh-huh. down there, and uh, I interviewed him a little while back. And this, he's a nutty guy, isn't he? He's funny as shit. And here's the funny part yeah. about this: he contacts me on a Facebook message. He goes. Gruesome. I said, yeah. He goes, I just heard you. I just heard you on laughter. How the hell did you get on there? It's like that's wow. Awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like wow. So that's Dave, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Dave. To shout out to him is a really cool guy, and so is his uh, producer who was there, Amber. Uh, and they were extremely supportive. And that's what I mean. It was just a really cool weekend. And the funny thing about Dave, I'll mention uh, on record, is uh, there was an after party. And um, I, I, me and my wife planned on going, but we couldn't find the the where it was. It was at the same hotel where we were staying, but they were doing it in one of the uh, rooms. And so me and my wife, while we were in San Antonio, we wanted to spend some time together, so we went to the River Walk and looked at the Alamo and all that. And we get back to the hotel, and we couldn't find the you know find where the after party was, so we kind of gave up. The next day, Dave was like, "Man, what happened? Why didn't you come to the uh, after party?" And I was like, "I couldn't find it." He's like, really? Because this one guy, I won't say who he was, and he said him by name. He was like, we were asking him, where's Jeremy? The velvet, you know, where's Jeremy? And he's like, oh, I don't know, man. I just texted him. He's on his way. He's coming. Don't worry, man. Everybody, he's going to be here. So Dave just like totally told, like, ratted that guy out. And I was like, that dude doesn't even have my phone number. So. Oh, wow. (laughs) But I just thought that was like really funny. I was like, uh, but that just shows what a nice guy Dave is, and it was just a really funny moment because he was like, "Man, I thought you were like mad at somebody because like they said that you were gonna be there and like you were on your way, and then you never showed up." So I was just wondering if something happened, and I was like, "Dude, that guy doesn't even have my phone number. I don't know why he told you that." Wow. So, yeah, Dave. Uh, a- yeah, you can put that put that on there because I like Dave a lot, and yeah. I like his movie a lot, and he's got the other one too that I haven't got to see yet, but the uh, slumber, the uh, summer oh, camp. camp. Summer Camp 1. Yeah, I saw both yeah, of them. I, I reviewed both. Yeah, they're good. Okay, I like them. Summer Camp 1. Awesome. Yep. Dave, if you hear this, send me a copy of the Summer Camp movie. I want to see it. <laughs> he will. Um, I know he will. Yeah, that guy's a promo machine. Like It was kind of like, it was a three-way tie in the promotional bid for uh, the San Antonio Olympic Film Fest between me, uh, uh, James, uh, crap, uh, the Twitchy Dolphy, Dolphin guys. Sorry for I messed up your name. James Christopher. Yep. Uh, he did the daughters of wear bitches, uh, and uh, Dave with his uh, Cesar Romero's uh, Deadly Xmas. So it was like all three of us kind of like you know trying to hog the limelight that weekend. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, it was great talking to you. I mean, a lot of good information, a lot of uh, cool stuff coming down the road, and it's kind of funny how everything ties into one the same film festival. But uh, that was a good experience. Yeah, it's a good national. There's a really good national independent uh, horror film scene out there. There's, you know, obviously there's some dudes who are just they exploit the horror thing because they're easy to make, or they think they're easy to make, and there's a built-in audience with the film festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's also, you know, the legitimate guys out there like the Adam Dunnings and the James Christophers, and you know, so on. Uh, Tech Doko, who's doing Dead City. Uh, Chris Ambrose, who did uh, uh, Fukui, and so on. Forget anybody. I know I heard, obviously there's a lot of them, but there's you know there's a lot of talk. Like you know, uh, directors they don't get along. Couldn't be further from the truth. There's two dudes that I know who don't get along with anybody. Uh, but other than that, in all honesty, I've you know, and you see, you're you're a podcaster. You know, the the real guys they support each other. Yep. Yep. And I emphasize that all the time. 
You know, there's a motto in this business. I help you, you help me, and you help someone else. That's how it's supposed yeah, to be in an independent circuit. But there is some that doesn't, but that's here nor there. But Jeremy yeah, was... Yeah, the Richie Dalton guys, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pick you off, but i got to give a shout-out to them. Yep. Uh, they host their own film festival uh, just so they can give other people an opportunity, and they contacted me recently and gave me a spot for Velvet Vengeance. Uh, it's Scarlet Waters Film Festival. Uh, I think it's October 19th in Austin, uh, but you have to look it up on Facebook to make sure. And this is their sixth annual one, and the deal is if we can get the feature film done in time, we'll swap out the short for the feature film. So. Yep. I was just talking to James the other day, so that's that's kind of ironic. <laughs> that's the first time I talked to him. Yeah, I know. There you go. Well, that's that's how it works. And, you know, and like you said, the film festival, you know, we all kind of, like, end up popping up at the same film festivals and whatnot, you know, and, like, everybody's kind of putting out their movies around the same time and stuff. So it's cool. It's really it's a good feeling to be a part of that scene and know that, you know, you got, you know, guys out there who grew up with the same movies as you or doing the same thing and, you know, we're all bidding for that place Talk, so. Right. All right, Jeremy. It was great talking to you. Um, it was really uh, interesting interview. Velvet Vengeance. I wish you all the luck for the full feature. I mean, from oh, you. yep, from your work in a short film, you have it. Now let's use it. You know, and uh, I think you. I think you'd be going places in the future if you keep up the uh, the intense, the uh, you know, the positive, and just keep working forward. I can. I'm anxious to see the full feature. I really am. So, you know. I'm yeah, the goal is uh, we should be. Uh, the goal is knock on wood is be. We're going to start filming in May. We already know that it's set to shoot in May. Uh, we're hoping that the plan to have it uh, wrapped in June and actually get it released in October. Nice. So, and uh, it will be released independently through the film festival circuit, and then obviously we'll be able to give uh, copies to reviewers as yourself. But after that, it will be up to whatever distributor decides to pick it up, to, you know. And then after that, you'll be able to, you know, get it on Amazon, iTunes, Redbox, all that stuff. But it is being made to get out for distribution. Sweet. Fantastic. That's great to hear. Jeremy, you awesome. take care of yourself, you. and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay.